It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Here's Dial, fakes the pass, dribbles into the paint, spins, kicks out, pass, jumped by Rubio. Ricky makes the steal. Into the front court, bounce pass to a cutting Shabazz Muhammad who flushes with the left hand. What a feed by the Spanish sensation Ricky Rubio. Oh, Dios mio. He set that up perfectly. With eyes in the back of his head, he saw Shabazz streaking down the floor from midcourt. And Ricky was almost to the top of the key at that point. You are locked on Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is locked on Jazz for the 1st of June. Is Ricky Rubio available from Minnesota? We sit down with Locked On Wolves and the NBA Finals finally get going. It's all up today on Locked On Jazz. Pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Glad to have you aboard. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter's doing a really neat job. Another one of these great technology companies changing the way in which hiring is done. I'm using them for the Locked On Podcast Network as we're uh, looking at the possibility of hiring a national sales person to sell the NBA channel in its entirety and uh, looking to see if I can find somebody via ZipRecruiter, and it's been incredibly easy and simple to do. Uh, I'll tell you more about them. You can do the same, by the way, uh, by going to ZipRecruiter.com and then using LO Jazz uh, as your way to uh, get your free trial with ZipRecruiter. So uh, kind of a cool cool deal for you. ZipRecruiter.com slash LOJS. I'll, I'll tell you more about them in a minute. All right. Uh, today's show, we're going to talk a little NBA Finals. And then uh, we have an extended conversation with Zach Bennett of Lockdown Wolves about Ricky Rubio, who he is as a player, and is he available? Okay? So that's the plan. Uh, let's get right to the NBA Finals. My first instinct is Warriors in five blowouts. They're too good. They get in transition. The the play that jumps to mind from the Jazz Warriors series still is uh, Warriors switch through a possession. Zaza Pachulia ends up, I think, outside on some guy at about 14 feet. Shot goes up. Re- shot's no good. Rebound, Draymond Green. Green brings it up the floor. He, Green and Gobert battle for the rebound. Green brings up the floor. Everybody sprints the floor. And uh, the Jazz do seemingly everything right. They uh, 
They they match up to Thompson. They match up to Tom Curry. They match up to Durant at the three-point line in transition. Somebody, I don't remember whom, comes out to get the ball to stop Draymond. And now Rudy Gobert is starting 15 feet behind Zaza Pachulia and in a battle with Draymond Green for the rebound. And Pachulia sprints the floor, and Draymond hands it to Pachulia for the slam dunk. And he was the last guy down, and he's... 15 feet ahead of Rudy, and there's nothing Rudy could have done. And I have watched that play a ton of times and still can't figure out where I think the Jazz made a mistake. Like, are you really leaving Steph, Clay, or Durant wide open for three? I mean, you obviously can't just give up a dunk. But that's the level it's at. And, you know, you'll hear the phrase, "You all right, on, off a miss – in transition defense, you just match up to the guy that's closest. Well, that's exactly what the Jazz did there. But because Pachulia was switched out of 15 feet when he released and Gobert's battling for a rebound, Gobert's behind the play. And everybody did what they were supposed to do, except for that. And the Warriors' ability to have four guys bring the ball up the floor, five if they have the right roster on, all of them spot up to shoot, incredible space, hit you with that speed, then have the ball moving offensively and never stop, to me, I, I, I assume, is more than Cleveland can handle. And maybe more than anyone can handle. And then the presence of Durant, that if all fails, they can go to Durant one-on-one. Now, with that said, with that said, what's interesting to me is the best player is LeBron. The best isolation player is Kyrie. Uh, Kevin O'Connor wrote a great piece on the ringer. Not that Kevin O'Connor. The NBA writer about the rise of isolation. We talk about it on uh, Locked in NBA with the coach. Locked in NBA with the coach is really good. Go listen to that before game one. Uh, Really good. And... You know, it where if you can get this game close late, it's into an isolation game. I like Cleveland more in isolation late matchups than I do the Warriors. Uh, I think the Warriors aren't sure where they're going. Durant has a tendency to take tougher shots than I think he needs to. So I, I actually that's when I actually like the Cavaliers. So I don't know if it can get to 92-92 with five minutes left, but if it does get to 92-92 with five minutes left, I kind of like Cleveland. Cleveland's bench is terrific. Cleveland shoots more threes than the Warriors. Cleveland makes more threes than the Warriors. If it gets into a shooting contest, I don't know that the Warriors win that shooting contest. I don't know that Cleveland can stop Golden State. I think it's a minor issue, but I think the time off is an advantage to Cleveland, a disadvantage to Golden State. I think the pressure is an advantage to Cleveland, a disadvantage to Golden State. I think the pressure is all on Golden State. I think Cleveland somehow is the defending champ, comes in with a chip on their shoulder and gets to play as the team that's being doubted. And I think that's makes it particularly interesting in that regard. Early matchup things to watch in the game. How good are Golden State's looks? Are they just able to get good, particularly above the break, three-point looks against Cleveland and that they're they're doing? Two, who is Kevin Love guarding and how are the Warriors going at it? Three, how often are you seeing Steph Curry 
on defending the ball for the Warriors? Is Cleveland able to get Steph Curry into place? Four. Offensive rebounding by Cleveland. Are they getting extra opportunities on the glass with Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, and are they denying Golden State the ability to run by getting those opportunities? Those are the the last one I would tell you that no one's talking about. Shots in the restricted area. These are the number one and number two teams shooting in the restricted area. Can you get who's getting the shots in the restricted area? That's probably who's out in transition or who's being able to dribble penetrate. All right, those are my thoughts on the NBA Finals. Should be awesome. Enjoy it. Before we turn the focus over to Locked on Wolves and Zach Bennett and the quest for Ricky Rubio, today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know what? If you think about the NBA Finals, we've got a bunch of All-Stars, right? Well, that's what you want for your team. So to go hire All-Stars, you've really got to get the word out, spread it. And what ZipRecruiter does so well is that they can post your job to 100 job sites with one click. That powerful technology now brings the right people to you. You have a better chance of getting the All-Star. Think about it from a drafting standpoint in the NBA draft. If you go and only watch seven of the talent or only get exposed, your chances of finding the hidden gem are pretty limited. But if you can go get it out to all 100 job sites, then you're going to find your talent. You're also going to find it faster, which is great. 80% of the jobs on ZipRecruiter get qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails, no calls to the office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. We're using it for the Lockdown Podcast Network as we're looking for a national salesperson. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-Jazz. And you can right now, you can start forming your own winning team for free. Try it for free today. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-Jazz. And you'll find out how you can get your all-star team together. Find your hidden gem by using ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-Jazz. All right, the quest for a point guard. If you didn't hear yesterday's show with Kellen Olson, Locked on uh, Suns, very interesting conversation with what you do to get Eric Bledsoe. Uh, it takes us a while in this one, but we get to an interesting proposal for Ricky Rubio. It's clear that getting a point guard for the Jazz is going to get painful. Tomorrow we'll talk with Sean Woolley of uh, Woodley of the Lockdown Raptors about Corey Joseph. But here is the next edition of Search for a Point Guard. Zach Bennett of Locked On Wolves joins us now. And Zach, as the Jazz search for this point guard, at this point last year, Rubio's the point guard. You draft Chris Dunn, and immediately everyone says, Rubio's done. Dunn's the point guard of the future. Dunn has, quite frankly, a a rookie year that, at least from 30,000 feet, makes you say, uh-oh, what do we have? Where is the point guard position trending in Minnesota? Is Rubio still one that most people think will be moved? What's your feeling on on Rubio's position with the Timberwolves right now? Well, he's certainly the best point guard on the roster currently. The Chris Dunn debacle, you encapsulated that perfectly. The rumors were swirling after uh, after draft day, and they continue to swirl as Tom Thibodeau reportedly looks for another point guard in in the field of draft prospects. But he's uh, 
in, in many ways, he had his, his best season. He averaged 11, uh, 11 points, nearly 10 rebounds. He, he drew on yet another coach, uh, dealt with another front office shakeup, and all while being on a, a rather financially, you know, decent contract for the Wolves themselves. So the, the, the tender that he signed with Flip Saunders not too many years ago is looking pretty good right now. It's going to take a lot from the Jazz in this conversation to pry him from Tom Thibodeau's hands, I think, because, you know, much like Rick Adelman, I think Ricky Rubio with his, with his work, work ethic, particularly on the defensive end, and his improvement on the offensive end grew on yet another coach here in Minnesota. And I, I think Tom Thibodeau grew to like him over the course of the year. Let's, let's dig in on Rubio a little bit. Um, effective field goal percentage for his career is 41.5. League average is 50. I mean, that's pretty terrible. Everyone talks about last year being so much better. It's still 44.8. How much of his shooting is a detriment to his game? You're right in that it was the first year he managed to reach the 40% mark from the field. Uh, Before this season, I would have said a lot more than uh, the detriment was a lot bigger than it did at the end of the year. Tom Thibodeau, over the course of the season, talked about, you know, it isn't so much that the missing, him missing the shots was the problem. It's not taking the shots that the offense dictates that you should take when on the floor that was the problem early on but over the course of the year you saw Rubio become more confident letting giving what the offense gave him taking shots within the system there was the whole month of March where he was just he made every other three it felt like so as he grew it seemed as though uh Thibodeau became more confident in him as Rubio became more confident in himself believing in the system that Thibodeau had worked all year to try to instill so the the percentages, as low as they might be and as unsustainable as they might be in Rubio's case last season, uh, the percentages, yeah, they're low, but he's taking the shots that the offense and the system dictates that he should take. And as long as he does that, I think he'll be in the coach's good graces. It's really it, – there's so many angles here. I have a big-picture question in a second, but we'll stay in on the shooting. I mean, you're talking about that. What's eye-opening is that March. He goes 18 of 41. You're like, he's figured it out. He follows in April with three of 20 from three. It's And those are arbitrary dates, but it also shows you wonder if that sample size had continued, that post-All-Star break three-point shooting, which I, myself, and a lot of other people kind of quote is, hey, well, he shot, you know, 35% post-All-Star break. Yeah, but it's... That's 68 attempts. I, I do. I have to admit, I have a feeling if he'd taken the, you know, 150 or whatever it is that is an actual sample size for half a season, it probably gets back to that natural number. Do you feel as though he really changed his shooting, or he just had a period of time where they went in? Well, and and here's where if you start asking coaches around the league, I bet they would tell you that those numbers in March are are definitely unsustainable. You remember Mike Penberthy was brought in to work mostly specifically with Rubio on his shot form and mechanics. And uh, this year that Penberthy role was commandeered by Ryan Saunders, but mechanically his form hasn't really changed. And the trajectory on a shot is what really should worry people most. That has not changed at all in warmups. It's one thing and he can do it in warmups and basically every NBA player can do it in warmups. The arc is there. Uh, Noah is a, a trajectory reading system that the Wolves have in their practice facility that 
actually announces the degree that their their shots are going in as they're taking them. So as they're taking these shots, they're hearing a machine say, you know, 45 degrees or whatever the angle uh, is supposed to be. And so they're hearing when they're doing it wrong. And that's sort of supposed to drill their muscle memory into their, uh, you know, supposed to drill the muscle memory into making it you know, repetitive and, and all one easy motion and translated into to game reps. But in the game, the arc on his shot is just so low. And that is the one thing that has never changed. So it seems that percentage wise, he just made more than he missed this year. And with as bad as he shot in seasons past and, you know, with all the injuries and the, the different variations of sample sizes, it was only a matter of time, I think, before he had a good year. So on one end, you can argue that, you know, maybe he's improving. But on the other end, and the safer bet, I think, is that he just had an above-average season and almost got lucky because I don't think you can see those results repeat over and over again in the coming years. All right, big picture on Rubio, and then we'll dig into whether he's available, whether it's something the Jazz can acquire or not. I love Rick. I'm a huge Ricky Rubio fan. Every time I watch him, I love him. Every time we call a game in which he's involved, I use plus minus to show his value. Though at times I wonder, is he the type of player that if you see four times a year, you adore him? And if you have him 82 times a year, you actually see the complete picture and you don't love him as much. What's your thought on that? On that? give and take on, on analyzing Rubio as a player? On the, as far as which side of the fence I sit on, I'm definitely pro-Rubio. I think there are uh, attributes to his game that you cannot quantify, such as where the ball lands in a player's hands after he passes it to them. Uh, you know, is it the same way uh, a player would pick the ball up off the rack? I think Rubio is, does an excellent job of, of getting, you know, spinning the ball as, as silly and tedious as it sounds, spinning the ball in a way that gets it to players where they want to catch it. Uh, so small little intricacies like that. Defensively, he's been known as sort of a gambler. I think that reputation was enhanced when Corey Brewer was on the team. Corey Brewer, of course, being one of the most notorious gamblers for steals in, in the league. But uh, his discipline on the defensive end got a lot better this year. Uh, when he When the Wolves gave up points, and Rubio made the right rotations and made the right plays defensively. You know, there were a couple times on the sideline where Thibodeau went up to him and said, hey, that's the play you should have made. They made the shot. That's all you can do. Um, there is quite the dichotomy of Wolves fans, though, who, you know, we don't know how often they, they watch the Wolves. This is the NBA's, arguably the NBA's worst franchise. So when people say stuff about the Wolves, you sometimes have to take it with a grain of salt. But I think a lot of the people especially the people who cover the team, Britt Robeson or, and uh, Andy Grimsrud and all the guys over at Punch Truck Wolves over there. I mean, anybody who covers the team sees Rubio putting in the work and, and all of the stuff that he does uh, on the floor and the way he handles the trade rumors and the consistent front office uh, in and out cycle and the way he's handled things during his time here. You, you can't help when you're this close but adore him. And so – as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, if the Jazz are looking to acquire him, we uh, this conversation might not end well in the Jazz' favor. All right, so let's let's run down it. The Wolves have a ton of cap space. They have three point guards on the roster: Rubio, Dunn, and Tyus Jones. They have uh, the ninth pick of the draft, I believe. What 
What do you believe that their few? What are they trying to do with this point guard position? Do you think it's Rubio's? How does Chris Dunn fit in then? Where do you think that this is this is playing out for Minnesota? Uh, he's sort of the the fruit that you can hang at the end of the tree for as long as possible, with the contract being as good as it is, uh, the point guard situation being as unstable as it is. Sure, Chris Dunn was Tom Thibodeau's first pick. Uh, as the the Wolves brass in the front office, but Tyus Jones, of course, was not his pick. Tyus Jones, I thought, could have played a lot more, but I think his ceiling is, is more of a backup player, definitely not a starting caliber point guard in the NBA. I think there's really no reason to move Rubio. There's no sense of urgency to move him as is. Uh, you can give Chris Dunn more time to develop, you know, sort of learn what you can get from him. Obviously, we didn't see a lot last year. Uh, in terms of growth on the court, but defensively there are uh, things to his game physically that Rubio cannot bring. Uh, and, you know, offensive mentality, driving to the basket, taking contact, finishing at the rim. I think there are, you know, those type of attributes. Chris Dunn is already much more advanced than Rubio is and will ever become. But, you know, I think they can play it safe. And in terms of, you know, leverage and negotiations, they can definitely take the stance of, hey, we've got sort of a point guard by committee system here. It worked out okay for us last year. Our bigger need to succeed and hopefully make a playoff push is definitely at the four position. So if, if that's the, the type of negotiation that we're going to have, it's, that would be the type of asset as, from a Wolves standpoint, I would be looking to uh, acquire if I am going to get rid of Ricky Rubio. It would be a, a, a playmaking four, not a, so much a small ball four, but a playmaking four. Any truth to Derrick Rose? I doubt it. Uh, everything I've read has come from New York. Obviously, there's the Tom Thibodeau connection. But, I mean, did you see Derrick Rose's free throw rate this year? It was atrocious. It felt like he never took free throws, especially in the second half of the season. I, I'm personally not buying it yeah, up until we see anything happen, of course. Uh, there, there could be that possibility. But everybody was so certain that you know, Jimmy Butler was going to be the trade last year during the summer. But... I just don't think, from what I know, I don't think that any negotiation, any deal between the two entities that are Tom Thibodeau and uh, the Chicago Bulls front, off, uh, front office, uh, speaking of Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose is in New York, of course. Um, I don't think that's going down, and I don't think the Derrick Rose thing is happening. That was a, a rumor purported back near the trade deadline, too. And, of course, where there was smoke, there was no fire. So I'm not buying it this time either. Any reason why Minnesota wants more cap room to, to build this thing? Um, I, my guess would be because Thibodeau doesn't – I mean, this is not his roster. It's He inherited it. So it would be more flexibility. I mean, the guy's got a five-year contract, and there's no way Glenn Taylor's going to terminate it early. So as much of uh, a rush as there might be from, from fans and you know, people who, who do what we do for you know, the want to make the Wolves the playoff team and the, you know, to end the drought. Tom Thibodeau can take his time in building the team and putting together the infrastructure that he wants over the next five years, and he has no reason to hurry because there's no way he's going to be terminated any earlier than that. So uh, any additional cap space that Tom Thibodeau might want, he's certainly within his rights to do so, and I think uh, I don't necessarily see that playing playing the game cautiously in a bad way i just think he has earned the position he's in and uh is has the benefit of the doubt and if that's 
what he wants to do, take his time, build a roster, by all means, take his time and do it. All right, so uh, you have extensions up, I believe, for Wiggins and Levine. Carl Anthony Towns the year after that. So there are, is a little but Rubio's money at $14 million next year and fourteen point eight the year after probably does not cause you any problems uh, in, that, no, in, the, in that regard. Uh, the only other issue we haven't really discussed is there was did some feeling that maybe Rub- Rubio got better because Levine went out um, and maybe they don't gel a great deal. If you're looking at the Jazz roster, what, what would perk you up? What would say, all right, we can start discussing um, uh, moving Ricky Rubio? George Hill. Well, he's a free agent. Can't really trade him. Oh, he is, he is a free agent. Uh, Joe Engels is an intriguing piece. I don't know if he necessarily warrants the value that trading a Rubio would. You know, the Jazz have some later picks in the draft, and uh, from what we saw them use use the picks last year, they're they're definitely more assets than they are picks. So, uh, but I don't I don't necessarily know if if a couple of you know if a couple of second rounders and a first rounder is you know from my perspective worth Rubio. I just I just don't engage in that conversation. Trey Lyles is definitely a piece that they could use, as I mentioned before, a playmaking four, so somebody who, when the Wolves go small, uh, Nemanja Bialica didn't really get it done last year, and he's dealt with his fair share of injury woes. So, uh, a player like that, you know, Trey Lyles, Joe Ingles. Alright, let's play Let's play around with Trey Lyles. Joe Ingles is a restricted free agent to be a sign-in trade. Um... Let's play around with Trey, Trey Lyles for a second. I, I'm a big believer in Trey Lyles. I think he's going to be really, really good. I think he got the tough circumstance that he was a young player on a good team, and so therefore you don't get a lot of time to play. Um, does Trey Lyles, uh, coupled with – well, Jazz actually with cap space could just do Trey Lyles, Ricky Rubio. Um, does that get it done? Is it a Trey Lyles and a draft pick? Where, where What's your – What's your thought here? Lyles matches the timetable of the Timberwolves probably much better in a lot of ways. Yeah, and there is the whole Kentucky connection, too. And he, and Carl Ant- he and Carl Anthony Towns, I think, um, were, were either roommates or best of friends. I think they were roommates. So that, that certainly does add an element to the negotiation that would you know, be fascinating if we were actually at the table. Um, there are sides that would say, you know, do it. Uh, I believe the Jets have two second-round picks. Two, two, fir- two firsts and two seconds. 24 and 30 and two seconds. And two seconds. So, yeah, I don't know where the Jazz stand. I don't know. It's tough to determine how Tom Thibodeau values picks yet because he really hasn't made any deal for them and he's only used so many. So it's, it's tough to determine how he values those. Perhaps he would be intrigued at the idea of uh, a first and – one or two seconds, whatever he can leverage, and Trey Lyles, depending on. I unfortunately haven't seen a lot of tape from from Lyles as far as playmaking and defense, but I know he shot the ball shot the ball well from three, uh, especially during a particular stretch in the season, as I understand it. Uh, and the Wolves definitely need shooting. That is a, a skill that they lack. So I think that's where the negotiations start and end. If any deal gets done, a first, one or two seconds, and Trey Lyles. I mean, it'd be really, really tough for somebody who's watched Rubio grow and uh, deal with all this off-court stuff. I mean, let's not forget his mom died last year. He had to overcome that, too. Um, so it would be really tough for me to part ways, but it's a business. And I think in the at the end of the day, depending on who the Wolves get in the draft and depending on what you see from Chris Dunn's development this season, 
that would be a trade that could get it done. Unfortunately, I don't think it could happen anytime. Sorry, there's a big garbage truck going by. Um, I don't think I don't think it would be something that would happen before the season. I think that would be more of a trade deadline deal based on where the two teams stand at that juncture. Well, the Jazz would have to be making it now. It would be all in line to try to save uh, and uh, build a team for Gordon Hayward. I, I don't think this this would not be a deal that by trade deadline the Jazz better have their point guard figured out. Well, does that make the Jazz better in your opinion, based on what you've seen from well with, with George Hill? With George Hill as a free agent, the Jazz at this moment don't have a point guard, and the issue is whether or not the Jazz want to go into free agency trying to negotiate with both Gordon Hayward and George Hill at the same time. Do you a, see them both bringing both back. I think they'd like to, but trying to get that done is very difficult. Trying to negotiate with two free agents at the exact same time is a with with each watching each other's moves, it gets to be a very difficult situation. So there's the school of the exercise we're playing with right now is whether or not there's something the Jazz could do prior to July 1 uh, to make a deal. The Jazz have enough cap space right now, as do, frankly, Minnesota. You could actually trade Trey Lyles, Ricky Rubio straight up. It would work because both teams have enough cap room. Um, why, don't we take this, why don't we take it in a different conversation? What do you think of Zach Levine? Um, I like him an awful lot. Coming off an ACL, wanting an extension gets awfully interesting. What in? And, and I, I actually was surprised you didn't bring up Rodney Hood because of Zach Levine's injury. See the the conversation this year, and I think it's an intriguing one: is uh, Levine and Wiggins are they redundant? Now, right away, you think to yourself, "Well, Zach Levine, slam dunk champion, uh, ace three point shooter, and in a perfect world." Andrew Wiggins you know, led the league and post up for a two guard in his rookie season. And, and a tough physical player, got to make some plays with the ball a little bit more this year, drives in the lane, which Levine does not do. But where the redundancy comes in is at the defensive end. They're both very undersized to play the three. You know, can those two exist in a starting lineup against other NBA, you know, other NBA teams where they're going to be overmatched at the three position every time? So I think there's a carrot dangling at the end of the, the string and the Jazz are looking for more guard help. I know Zach Levine doesn't exactly fit the profile of a point guard. He's a very raw talent, didn't pick up basketball till his sophomore year in high school, played the point guard position his rookie year under Flip Saunders, didn't look so well, but that wasn't exactly ideal circumstances either in his defense. I've asked Zach Levine if he learned a lot about the game of basketball playing the point guard position, and he did, which inclines me to believe that he could learn a lot more and, and stands to reason that he could improve at that position. But maybe that would be a route the Jazz want to go if, if they are intrigued. Rodney Hood, much like Trey Lyles, I haven't seen a whole lot of film on him, but I have seen some of the numbers, and I know he, he dealt with some injuries this year. But uh, definitely an intriguing option. I think he has the size to play the three, definitely more so than Levine. Uh, maybe that's a route we could go in these negotiations. Probably. Uh, I, I think we've probably come to the end of the road. Uh, on Levine's not an interest coming off an ACL because you're looking for someone who can play the point today. Um, so, and I don't think, and I don't think Rodney Hood's a three. So, um, probably end of the road in um, in some regards uh, there, unless unless what we talked about earlier is the Trey Lyles dot uh, the Trey Lyles. Uh, Ricky Rubio moves the meter for both sides, opens up cap space for Minnesota, solves the Jazz need to have a point guard uh, by July 1. Uh, but costly for the Jazz. Trey Lyle's got a really big upside, but 
uh, if that's maybe that's it's going to have to be costly for the Jazz. Yeah, and he's got some upside too. Where I'm going is in the direction of no, simply because of the high, you know, the seventh pick that the Wolves have this year in the draft. Thibodeau can do his due diligence, go get one of his guys that he likes in the draft, try to mold them. I don't necessarily see Trey Lyles as someone, you know, he has uh, googly eyes for and is willing to, to go out and make that deal and be proactive. Uh, but it is an intriguing thought, and it is uh, it is definitely something I didn't expect to come up with entering this conversation. I'm glad we explored all avenues uh, in this discussion for sure. But I, I think Thibodeau is more likely to take his chances in the draft uh, and then go from there. Who knows what we'll, we'll see from the elites. It'll be a contract year for him. He's certainly capable of shooting the ball well. Confidence has been an issue. Defense has been an issue, but uh, there's always been the chance that he could improve. I don't think we're ruling that out quite yet. So I think the the Wolves are in a place where that deal doesn't do it for them, and uh, it was a pleasure trying to do business. Zach Bennett, Locked On Wolves, is the show. He's the host. And the draft, the Jazz now have either, in your mind, listening to these shows, either not been able to get Gordon Dragic, have done a Dante Exum deal for Eric Bledsoe or a Trey Lyles deal for Ricky Rubio. Tomorrow we'll look at the possibility of the last resort with Toronto on this series. This has been Locked On Jazz on the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.